Welcome to the Big Fundamental Podcast, a San Antonio Spurs podcast brought to you by Ken's Five, the official TV station of the Spurs. I am Jackson Floyd, and joining me this week on a very special episode of the Big Fun Pod, we've got Ken's Five Sports, Tom Petrini. How are you doing today, Tom? I'm good. I, I don't want it to be misinterpreted. I was smiling because I thought we, we were introducing the other guy, but best for last. <laughs> yeah, and I, and it's, it's a very special introduction, so I kind of wanted to, to build the, the Yeah, yeah, start slow. Yeah. Start Pe- slow. People are seeing the face, people who are watching it on our YouTube channel, and they're, they're ready for it. It's uh, a very special reunion here, bringing him back. It's Evan Klosky, sports director of 10 Tampa Bay. How you doing, Evan? Long time no see. My my heart is so full right now that I get to join you two and uh, and, and relive some of this. Not not to mention uh, to talk about the Spurs because uh, you know I'm I'm, one, I'm sort of a lone wolf out here. Except the the funny connection is someone uh, a part of the Spurs staff. Um, he actually moved to Tampa and now he's part of the Buck staff. So him and I talk about the Spurs. It's who I got here. And he's also an Ohio State fan, so we got that go. too. So it, that was a match made in heaven. That's a but, very uh, small Venn diagram, I think, <laughs> with the three circles. But yeah, I'm, right through the hole. There I'm, we go. I'm glad that you're in there. That's that's really cool. And of course, we are pulling you away from uh, your uh, Buccaneers coverage duties right now. And I think you're, you're spending a little too much time with Tom Brady. Uh, uh-huh. Have you fully engrossed the uh, the TB12 method? You've sworn strawberries off, right? Your, your skin tone's <laughs> looking fabulous, by the way. So I don't know if that's just the Florida sun. It, or, uh, once, give me 10 years in the TB12 system, and what you see now is just 50% of what I'm going to be at 40. So there you go. I, I got to ask, man. Uh, because I know you're from Massapequa, New York, and I I think you might have been rooting for a different football team growing up, one that may have may have made you not as much of a, a Tom Brady guy. So how has that transition been for you? You know, it's really funny. You you compartmentalize it because to me, <laughs> as a as a Jets fan, like the Brady of the Patriots is just a different Brady with the Buccaneers. Like mm. the guys going through a completely different character arc right now. So it, it's kind of like LeBron a little bit, right? LeBron stepped onto the scene. Everyone loved him. He's the greatest. Then he then he ticked a lot of people off. And Brady didn't, I mean, you know, Brady had the flake gate, and that's really more of a Patriots thing versus, you know, really just Brady. But, you know, LeBron goes to Miami. People mad about him. And then LeBron sort of on the back end of his career – you know, has found a way to kind of make himself lovable and likable and people rooting for him again and, and appreciating his greatness. I feel like that's where we are with Brady, that we know that the time is coming. It's not going to be this year. It's not going to be next year. But, you know, soon he's going to be out of the game and everyone's going to look left and right and go, man, we just witnessed probably the best player we're ever going to see on a football field in our lifetime. So um, I, I don't like it's funny. I, I don't we have the Patriots and the Buccaneers game next week. Mm. And I don't associate him as what I was used to for like 17 years. Um, it's really like to me a night and day difference of a guy. And um, no, it's, it's cool to cover and there's a lot of interest. And you but, know, every day it's waking up, seeing what Tom Brady's doing. And then, you know, he's he tweeted, has he done something? So <laughs> uh, that's the on top of it. So did, no, it's, a, it's, it's been fun. Did you ever think? No, it's, and, and that's like a really, Funny, I think it's a good comp with LeBron, right, in terms of the career arc, right, where, mm-hmm. I mean, with a, a little different in terms of where they started, right, with LeBron yeah. as a teenager at all this hype and Brady being, you know, one of the last picks in the draft. But, mm-hmm. like, Brady an underdog until he wasn't, and then he very mm-hmm. much wasn't, and at a certain point everyone was like, oh, I'm sick of this. And you get to the point where it's like, he's got to stop sometime soon, right? And I feel like everybody got to that point with Tom Brady like eight years ago. Yeah. Like, and he's yeah. just still been doing it. And LeBron's the same way in that regard where it's like, he's going to fall off sometime, right? Mm-hmm. Right? Like, uh, it's really cool to watch. I just want to know real quick, who's out of football first, Tom Brady or Zach Wilson? And, uh, <laughs> yikes. 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 Um, I, I think Zach Wilson. Why are you Wilson doing like that, man? Sorry. 
at least Zach Wilson will be able to hang on a practice squad team if, if things don't go the right way. I'm still standing behind Zach Wilson. It's this one ju- bad it's game. It's one bad game, right? We, we have our friend here for the first time in months, and you're cyberbullying I'm him. I'm sorry. And we brought him in because, you know, we brought him in because basketball is right here. We're on the cusp of the NBA season. Training camp is less than a week away. And as we shape up to, to, to kind of cover that, uh, we're going to take a look at what the, the Spurs team that we're covering uh, heading forward looks like. Uh, but to start that off, I mean, we just have to address one of the rumors that just will not go away. The Spurs have been consistently linked to a Ben Simmons trade possibility uh, for ever since he uh, didn't dunk. I think uh, it, it feels like it's been we've, we've been kind of linked to this. Um, why won't the rumors go away? I mean, he, I mean just kind of set the street, uh, set the scene here. You know, Simmons has already said he's not going to report to 76ers camp. Um, he's holding out on that end. The 76ers originally said they were going to trade him. Uh, then they said, you know, it was Simmons idea to want the trade. And they kind of have been kind of playing defense now, I think. Uh, maybe like a Ben Simmons level defense uh, <laughs> at this end here. Um, Doc Rivers was on ESPN yesterday speaking about it, saying the whole thing's been misrepresented. Uh, and now Vegas has the Spurs with the, the fifth, fifth best odds to land Ben Simmons. Evan, I mean, as a, from an outsider's perspective, as a Spurs fan's perspective, like, why won't this rumor go away? Yeah, I think the number one thing that you have to remember with the Spurs is that they still don't have a sun for the planets to gravitate around, right? And I, I understand the hesitancy of Ben Simmons, especially because he doesn't get uh, sterling remarks from a lot of insiders about what execs think of him and his work ethic so on and so forth. Having said that, he is still a bona fide all-star talent. He's still a bona fide, one of the best players in the league type guy. Um, His game is not modern, but I still think he is completely deadly on both sides of the floor. And um, if you want an optimistic look at it, you know, let's just say that the Spurs wanted to make this happen. You know, the thing about Ben is that he's never been – he's never been Batman. It's always been like, you know, I got to share the floor with Joel. And originally, we all thought that Ben was 1A to Joel's 1B. And then recently, it's been like, no, 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 no. Joel is 1A. You need to capitulate to him and his game. And we've been saying this for years. I mean – it's not a new take that, you know, Embiid and Ben Simmons were not a good match for each other. Um, you know, if it wasn't for a Kawhi fadeaway three-pointer crazy historic moment in the NBA, which we won't mention in the city of San Antonio, then maybe the, the Sixers end up going to the finals and, and this stuff isn't all happening. But that's the funny part about sports. Having said that, I think Simmons actually, like, wouldn't be the worst fit. Um, I think it would make things little bit difficult because you kind of have Keldon Johnson, who I think could be a, a Ben Simmons-esque player. I don't know has I don't know if he'll have as high as a ceiling, but their games are kind of similar. And obviously, you're going to have to give up young talent, tremendous young talent, to get a Ben Simmons. I don't think Daryl Morey is going to be able to get what he wants. I think it's very clear as we're a week away from training camp and Simmons is still on the roster that you know Morey like you cannot turn the narrative to put teams against each other to get your your price point. You're going to have to sell him for 80 cents on the dollar. And if the Spurs with a head coach who we don't know how much longer he's going to go at this thing, wants to compete for a championship or even be competitive, you know, and and make the playoffs again, um, then Simmons would be a ticket probably to the playoffs and I would argue that the Spurs can build complementary pieces around him to really make him thrive mm. and to allow him to play his game and be the, the Batman that he's always wanted to be and was never able to be in Philadelphia. Having said that, a lot of fans have been waiting a very long time to see DeJounte, Derek, Keldon. You know, now it's, it's Devin Vassell. You have all these off-season acquisitions too. you know, have their time and see how this is going to work out and see if Lonnie Walker can be that 1A dude now that he's not going to be in this complimentary role. Uh, I get it. Um, but I, I think there is something to be said about having Ben Simmons and how the Spurs would be exponentially better with him on the roster 
even with me hating the fact that you'd have to give up players that I would not personally want to give up. Yeah, Tom, with that asking price, what we've seen play out with Ben Simmons holding out and the conversations, the dialect going back and forth from the 76ers front office, Simmons' team here, it sounds like the asking price was one thing. It might be dwindling down a little bit. At what asking price do you think you're comfortable sending sending some assets to bring a guy like Simmons in? So I think it's really interesting to watch because, like, uh, (laughs) I, I I saw a tweet the other day that was like, Man, I took the risk that I took was calculated, but I'm bad at math. <laughs> and it <laughs> attributed to Daryl Moore. And like you're looking at a guy who is basically like, you know, guns akimbo but no ammo, right? Alright, Ben, you better report to camp. And then, you know, alright everybody, give me something for him. And and neither of those guns are loaded. And everybody who's on the other end is like yeah, okay, what are you going to do? And I don't know what he's going to do because, like, Ben Simmons can just be like, yeah, I'm not going to show up. And they'll they'll be like, we're going to find you. And he'll be like, whatever. (laughs) And and then they're like, oh, wait. (laughs) This isn't going to work. And and that's only going to make the people who are considering trading for him, you know, take things off the table, I think. Yeah. Like, I don't think any team right now has great incentive to give up assets uh, for him um, because at this point there isn't really a bidding war. Mm. Um, I, I don't think, and and if it is, it's it's like <laughs> it's diminishing returns for for the Sixers at this point. The longer he sits out, the lower that price is going to go, um, and like. Like, I think that, like, what if we get to November, December, he still hasn't suited up for the Sixers, he hasn't been traded yet, and Thad Young is, like, you know, on the Spurs still and, you know, averaging, like, 10 points and six rebounds a game and hitting, like, 33% of his threes and, like, actually contributing something on the basketball court. Uh, and, like, like if if the Spurs could work a deal around that or around that as like the main piece uh like like literally a pennies on the dollar like mm-hmm. make the return that the spurs got for Kawhi look like all right but like for for the spurs to make any trade for ben simmons like there would need to be a lot of due diligence done to ensure that he wants to be a part of this team mm. um because it's I mean, he hasn't really had much buy-in in on a, on a more competitive team, uh, and historically, like every time we talk about Ben Simmons, I'm not concerned about what Ben Simmons can't do because I don't like "can't" for describing these young players. But like, I'm concerned about what he hasn't done and what he maybe won't do yeah i mean Um, that's that's when all of these rumors started springing up everyone said well in chip england we trust right he can get his shot fixed he can get that but every time chip england has worked with a player and and solved his shot or improved his three-point shooting it's taken buy-in from that player right it wasn't just chip england that made Kawhi leonard a deadly shooter. It was Kawhi Leonard wanting that, right? And we haven't really seen if that's what Ben Simmons wants. You know, there's all the reports from the 76ers camp about, you know, their athletic staff tried to get him to switch hands. You know, he's not really a lefty shooter, though he wants to be, you know, and and there was work on that, but he still wanted to go back to that. So it kind of led to the conversation about what is the buy-in there? And I think that's what you got to do your due diligence on, right, Tom? That's what you're saying. One of the crazy things about Kawhi rebuilding his shot, I mean... I'm I'm pretty sure I, I I read somewhere that he was drafted, showed up to the you know to meet with Chip. Chip gave him these pointers. You know, he's he's been shooting one way his whole life. Chip gave him some pointers over the course of the session, and then there was like a lockout, mm. and so Kawhi was away. And while he was away, he was just doing the things that like you know they worked on, but like obsessively, yeah. like he, he obsessed over improving his jump shot. Um, and Ben Simmons has been 
in a position for five years at this point where people are like, man, if he could get a reliable jump shot, he would be like one of the top players in the league, like truly. Yeah. Uh, and has not shown uh, even a passing interest really in improving in that area. Um, like, like after this playoff run or during this playoff run, he like, it was like, I am what I am yeah. kind of thing. And it's like, are you dude? <laughs> like, is, is that, is that really what you want to be? Like, like thinking of yourself as static and like unimprovable in certain areas. Like I, I don't, that's not an attitude that I'm a, a huge fan of, but like you mentioned doc saying that like, you know, uh, my my comments after the game were misrepresented about when I was asked directly, can Ben Simmons be the point guard of a championship team uh, like you guys want to be? And he was like, I don't know that. I don't know that right now. Uh, first of all, waiting three months to say I've been misrepresented is hilarious. Yeah, It's good luck. Second of all, we saw you. There's tape. Like, it's right there. Just play the tape back, right? Yeah. As soon as she says that, they should have had that tape ready to go, right? Just, by the way, this is what you said. How are you misrepresenting that? Um, to, your, to your point about Ben Simmons saying he is who he is, if we just evaluate who he is right now as a player, what is he like a really expensive Draymond Green? Is that the ceiling right now? If he doesn't improve as the shooter? Evan, what do you think? Yeah, I, I think he's better than that. Okay. Um, I just, because, you know, Draymond can't really do, I, I know that, Ben's kind of a one-trick pony, but Draymond can't really do what Ben Simmons does to like lead an offense. Mm. You know, Draymond's still very much in elite complimentary player. I mean, the guy, you know, can put up a triple double any night that he wants. He just really chooses not to shoot the ball or score some nights because he doesn't have to. Yeah. And why would you when you got all those players, you know, hopefully Clay Thompson can stay healthy this year. But you know, I, I just, yeah, I, I don't think Ben Simmons would hypothetically, right. Like go to the Spurs and Chip England would, would go into the lab and tinker his shot, and all of a sudden we come out and he's shooting threes. It is. I think at this point, Ben Simmons is who he is. I believe who he is is a phenomenal basketball player. I believe he could be one of the best in the game if he would push himself to do the things that I think a lot of people are saying he should do. So it's upsetting to see a guy not reach his full potential mm. with just an extraordinary talent. Um, having said that, that's my whole point though, is that, you know, still Ben Simmons, who he is would still come in day one after that trade and be the best player on the Spurs and, and Evan, would make your, the Spurs better. And Evan, to your point too, I mean, the team would build around him, right? You know, that's something that coach pop in this organization has done. Well, they look at the players they have, they evaluate the players they have, and they put something on the floor that's going to make them excel at what they're best at. You know, LaMarcus Aldridge and DeMar DeRozan were given free reign on shooting as many mid range jumpers as they wanted for a very long time for this team. Um, and while everyone else was shooting threes and layups, the Spurs looked at the players they had and went, this is how we can thrive and succeed and put the best team they could on the court by doing that, right? I, I have a question. Yeah. Spurs, say say the Spurs trade for Ben Simmons and trade, like, you know, a young piece or two and, and draft assets um, and build around Ben Simmons. Two questions. Do the Spurs make the playoffs this year, and is Ben Simmons an all-star in the Western Conference? They do make the playoffs. Yes. Maybe. Yeah, exactly. Yes, maybe. Make the playoffs. Just because all -star. the West is so packed. Yeah. I, I think if you... Well, were, I, I, would, so I would lean towards probably because... His, well, first off, maybe. Because we all know that nobody gives a crap about the Spurs and they get shafted every which way. So, I mean, let's just be honest. You know, I, I loved I loved your post, Tom, just about DeMar DeRozan moving up 40 spots <laughs> in the European ranking. We're going to discuss it um, later. I need to know. Yeah. So, <laughs> yeah, I mean, you know, it is so... You know, making the all-star team is, um, you know, politics more than anything. And just, you know, the Spurs never getting love from national media and never getting exposure. So, you know, that's, you know, that I don't know and about. But somewhat I, I somewhat related team. to this point, would Ben Simmons want to be in a place where he's getting overlooked for honors like that, uh, largely because of the market? 
I, I think that Ben Simmons is a guy who can overcome it in a way that Kawhi couldn't. You know, Ben Simmons is a loud player. Ben Simmons is louder than Kawhi, at least. Ben Simmons is a guy that young fans have already connected with. And he also has kind of like, he's already been in that Kardashian world, you know? He, he's out of that Kardashian world now, famously, you know. Uh, there's another guy who's dating his girlfriend in the league. Who right, them, might but, just beef but like, you know... We don't have any Kardashians here. I'm, I'm gonna be honest. Like we, we, got, we got Selena Gomez, you know, but but she's like, how often we see her courtside? Really, like I, all, that, all that aside, I do yeah. think he can he can overcome that in a way that Kawhi couldn't because he's already kind of racked up those accolades. He's not a system guy, you know. Kawhi, when he was in San Antonio, like was, first of all, did make an All Star team. Um, but also was like, you know, well, he's just a, you know, before the trade, before everything, you know, was like, he's just a factor, a system guy that built him up to this. This is Pop's robot, you know, and things like that. So Right. But like, I, I guess one of, one of the other big overarching questions for me, one, does Ben Simmons want to like, you know, be a part of this organization and buy in? And two, like, does he want to live in San Antonio? He's, he's under contract for four years. Yeah. Like, and, you know. He he certainly has demonstrated that he like does enjoy the uh, accoutrements of being a, a professional NBA, uh, a well-paid NBA player. Uh, you know, living in a big city, and like you know, I I don't know if he will uh, be any different from Kawhi Leonard in the I would rather live in California mm. department. Does so, yeah. I mean, I agree with that. I don't know if, you know, the, like beyond the um, the contract, if you'd get anything like more than that. Yeah. Um, but what but, does the contract know, mean now? But, <laughs> I mean, yeah, it, this, it, is it, the, uh, <laughs> this is such a bold strategy, Cotton, on his part, you know, that he's got four years left. We've seen Kawhi Leonard kind of hold out and say, I'm not playing for you guys. Uh, with a year left on his deal. We've seen Anthony Davis do it, what, two years left on his deal? A year, Four years left on his deal, and to step away and say, trade me, is, is unprecedented, you know? I think James Harden yeah. might have been in the same boat uh, with the Rockets, but... Um, it wasn't that long. It wasn't that long, yeah. No, I mean, like, like there's there's no guarantee that the Spurs make a trade for Ben Simmons, and then in the first year or so, he decides... I don't want to. <laughs> yeah. I don't want to be here anymore. And then, and then now you're in the same position that the Sixers were in, with even less leverage than they have right now, which is none. I want to move on, uh, but I do want to just quickly say I think there are two people uh, with connections to the Spurs organizations that could kind of help Ben Simmons decide whether or not he wants to stay here. And that's Patty Mills, who is another Australian who's been with this team. Simmons famously wasn't with the Olympics team there, but Patty Mills is the greatest Australian basketball player, men's basketball player. You know, if, if, if Patty wants to have a conversation with him, I'm sure there could be some mentorship in that regards. Patty's not here anymore, but there is still that kind of tie to San Antonio. And the other guy is Tony Parker, who, like you said, used a French word to describe uh, what Ben Simmons <laughs> likes. And Parker probably would use the same words, the accoutrements of being a famous, rich basketball player. And Parker find a way to made that, make that still happen and still be friends with guys like Chris Brown and, and date A-list TV stars like Eva Longoria, marry A-list TV stars like Eva Longoria. It would um, be very funny if, like, that trade happened. Ben Simmons touches down. Is like, all right, I gotta ask Tony Parker about how the game works down here. <laughs> Get my guy TV on the phone, you know. Oh, but uh, anyways, uh, we brought Evan Onkowski in here not only because we love him and we miss him, and he's a, just a Super fan, a Super Spurs fan now, a very knowledgeable Spurs fan. Uh, but also, he um, is the expert on a on a, a new Spur, a new guy here that we haven't really delved too much in on the podcast. That being Zach Collins, and I think he might have been um, one of the forgotten moves made by the Spurs. There are splashier names that we've talked about, like Thad Young and Doug McDermott, and then of course we had the draft and brought in Josh Primo, Joe, Joe Wieskamp. We talked to all those guys out. Uh, we haven't really talked about Zach Collins, um, who who um, I think reemerged in the public light for the San Antonio Spurs um, recently. The Spurs sent um, a handful of their guys on a trip, a sightseeing trip, to learn about San Antonio, to get to know San Antonio. Manu Ginobili took part in that, you know, was with the Spurs when they went to the missions. Um, but uh, standing there along the guys, uh, standing there next to Derek White and with DeJounte Murray and with Drew Eubanks and these guys that Spurs fans are so attached to, was Zach Collins. Um, 
without crutches in the pictures. Maybe they were uh, being held off uh, by a guy there on the side. But Zach Collins is a guy who, who kind of has a big question mark in the minds of Spurs fans. So, Evan, we would like you to kind of let us know what we should expect from Zach Collins. Who is he and what kind of player are, are the Spurs going to get from him if he is healthy? First off, I think it's a, a fantastic get for the Spurs. I mean, it's, it's no risk, all reward. If he doesn't work out, whatever. You know, you're not committing a lot to him. And, and if he does, you have a 23-year-old, uh, seven-foot unicorn. I won't say unicorn because it's one of a kind. But, you know, that type of player that um, we know that uh, Pop in the front office loved Porzingis, right? They absolutely, like, they wanted him, they wanted him, they wanted him. And, uh, you know, coming out, of the, coming out of Gonzaga when I was covering him there, um, you know, you got to remember, Porzingis came onto the scene in like 2015, and then his big season was 2016. And Zebo, who they called Zach Collins Zebo at Gonzaga, so I still call him Zebo. Where's the B um, coming from? I, I don't know, and 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 Mark Few never really explained that one. It was just like, <laughs> he was just, just, just Zebo, like. Literally at, at every press conference and then the players, it was always Zebo. So did he not know of the other Zebo? I you know, I'm pretty sure they did, and I didn't I didn't understand the correlation, but that was their guy. Some copyright um, infringement going on here. Grit, grit and grind uh, a little <laughs> bit over there. So um, so yeah, so you know it, so twenty fifteen Porzingis comes on the scene, twenty sixteen I think Porzingis really is like, oh, crap, look at this guy. We haven't seen this in the NBA. And then 2017, Collins is drafted. Now, Collins was a freshman at Gonzaga. He came off the bench. That Gonzaga team was stacked. Um, Shemek Karnowski was the big man on that team. And he had, you know, he was in Gonzaga for about 10 years before he finally, you know, had to force his eligibility out. Um but, you know, Harry so Ellis he, of the he, West. Was, he was coming off the bench. And it was one of those situations where, uh, and, and for those who don't know, Gonzaga made the national championship that year and lost to North Carolina in the final like minute and a half to lose that. It was their first ever appearance in the final four, first ever appearance in college and in, uh, in national title game. Um, so that was a momentous run for the school, for Spokane. And, he was always a player that we, you know, the fans and the media looked at and said, how on earth is this guy coming off the bench? And we always thought that it was a way for a few to maybe taper off his minutes to ever so slightly keep him in town for one more year, maybe not expose him too much. But, you know, we also still had a lot of things to learn. Uh, he averaged like two blocks, I believe, his, his freshman year. Uh, he was – shooting the, the lights out of the ball from three, uh, even though it wasn't like quantity, the, like he was, the quality was there. Um, so he had tremendous range from deep. He was tenacious on the court. Um, at Gonzaga, they teach you verticality on defense. And for a guy his size, he, he thrived on that, um, was a real uh, great defensive player in the paint because of that. And uh, he, he, he was doing all of these things that fit into the modern NBA, that a, that a guy that big could be that mobile and shoot from three and play good defense. Um, you know, he, he entered the NCAA tournament sort of a non-prospect, and I don't want to say like a non-prospect, but a guy who we all thought was going to be drafted the following year as a sophomore to then having a really good NCAA tournament turning the heads of many and saying, oh, crap, like this guy might leave school and become the first one and done player in Gonzaga history. Mm. And the one thing that he was terrible at at Gonzaga was he always got into foul trouble. And that was something that never he never shook off in that. And, I, you know, I don't really know how he's done since uh, I, I haven't been looking at the, the, the foul trouble. But I just remember, I mean, in that national title game, he barely played because he got into foul trouble. And the bugaboo was he played limited minutes at Gonzaga, but he always racked up like three fouls in those minutes. So it, it was an issue. Um, but he's not going to really have to play this 
monster role for the Spurs anyway. So if he does play, he's not going to have to worry about foul trouble. Uh, so that's not really that big of a concern. So, yeah, I mean, what what you're hoping for is you're hoping to tap into that that guy who's who can finally be healthy. Um, you know, just it was a just Portland never worked out and not because of his skills. Uh, each year he got better with the Trailblazers in the minutes that he played. All of his numbers have gone up when he stepped back on the court the following season. He just mm. can't stay healthy. And that's that is the unfortunate thing for him. And I'm hoping that he can finally have a healthy season to showcase his talents because he's got a lot of lot of career left in him. Again, 23 years old. So um, you're not getting you're not getting Porzingis, but but this this squad finally has their seven footer who can step out, shoot some threes, space the floor, and maybe play the role that you know the Spurs were hoping Lamarcus Aldridge would be able to thrive in and accept, um, which which we know was just kind of you know both sides tried, yeah. just didn't work out. Yeah. Hey, I mean, you're talking about his height, the seven footer, that kind of position he's filling in. Tom, uh, this felt like a need the Spurs really addressed this offseason. You know, last season they were running Jakob Pertl and Drew Eubanks. And then it felt like, you know, what, Keldon Small at the four, you know, Luka Shamanich coming off the bench. Maybe DeMar played some minutes at the four. They were an undersized team outside of those two. Pertl is a guy who who found himself in some foul trouble and some inju- had some injury issues some, uh, as well. Um, but once Aldridge was gone, there was kind of a vacuum behind them there. They went out and they got not only Zach Collins, but they got Jock Landale, who I think you might be on the record as saying was like the most underrated get for this team. Uh, come on, going Another forward. guy who I covered in college just on the opposite side of Gonzaga. <laughs> he was always, yep. they were always Same playing Mary. Yeah. yeah. Um, but also Doug, we can Doug talk some jock here. If I mean, I'm <laughs> I, I'm down to talk the the big man stuff in general. Jock jams, jock jams. Rock We're jock. excited for him. Yeah. Meet me in the trash. Jock lobster. Uh, but Evan Evan said something that I I take issue with. I've I've got to call you out here, buddy. Unicorns, they're not one of a kind, man. It's it's a species of animal. It's a rare animal. That's why they're special. <laughs> But like there are multiple unicorns, bro. That's, That's how fair. they That's they, they gotta they gotta reproduce, right. right? They gotta they gotta, and like there are plenty of like different. Their, their horn is unique. That's what I'm they're they're unicorns of like, varying quality like too, right? Like there are better unicorns and there are worse unicorns. There are some unicorns without horns even. I think uh, I think it was in the, the last episode. <laughs> we, have now, we have now turned the, the big the big unicorn podcast. Big fun Mag- unicorn the, podcast. the big magical beasts pod. Um, <laughs> oh my gosh! Uh, I, I, was it the last uh, what if episode? Thor says he knows of a planet with that's all unicorns. So I mean, <laughs> they're out there. They're out there. But uh, I mean, go go on, Tom. Sorry. <laughs> but I, I I learned a lot listening to you about his time at Gonzaga, and I mean, for for him to go from bench player, you know, he's probably going to stay to tenth pick. I mean. That's that's a pretty momentous rise. Um, yeah. w- would you say that that rise was based mostly on the combination of size and shooting ability? Like, like it yeah, seems I, like I, that's what people saw. It was like, here's the thing, because all season long, it was like, this guy's going to be really good. This guy's going to be really good. Like, he's an NBA player. And remember, I mean, he was McDonald's All-American. He was the first ever McDonald's All-American to commit to Gonzaga out of high school. Uh, so the hype was there. He came out of Bishop Gorman, just a, a powerhouse there outside of Vegas. I'm sure you know anybody who follows sports have heard of that high school. A lot of talented players have come out of there, and um, it was just it was something where I, I think everything like moved very fast on Collins. It was a guy that, and and here's the thing, you know, uh, and, and San Antonians can respect this, right? I think. You know, Gonzaga now, and again, you got to remember they come off another national championship last year, but Gonzaga now is a much bigger institution than it was back then. So Gonzaga has this unbelievable maturation process from the 90s becoming the Cinderella story to now becoming the Blue Bloods and getting five-star prospects, which is insane in my eyes. But back then, that was not happening. Zebo was the first guy that they got. So even though that team was stacked, even though people were talking about Gonzaga, scouts aren't necessarily flying to Spokane to watch Gonzaga play USF in the kennel. 
So it was a lot of, this guy's going to be good. You know, we'll, we'll tuck this away in our back pocket and we got our eyes on you sort of thing. But, you know, he's playing 16 minutes per game or whatever it was. And I don't know if, if scouts were ready to necessarily jump on him yet or that he was at the top of their list when they're doing their their work throughout the year, that this is a guy that they have to worry about for this 2017 draft. We'll, you know, we'll write him down on a list and he's a guy that we got to peg for a future draft, whatever it might be. And then the NCAA tournament happened. And all of a sudden, I think you have all eyes on him. He's playing great against great competition. And it's like, whoa, hey, who's this young guy? Seven-footer? Whoa, look at this. He can shoot the three? Wow, he's commanding the paint, playing great defense? Hmm, this is exactly what the game is going to right now. Oh, man, look at look at Porzingis. Look what he's doing out there. We might have another one. And so it was just sort of this, like, late steam. And I remember um, – you know, my boss and sports sports director back then, you know, the the WCC tournaments in Vegas every year. And obviously, as I just mentioned, he went to high school in Vegas, talked with his dad. And, you know, during the double WCC tournament, um, his dad was saying, yeah, like we got we got folders on, you know, NBA scouts coming to talk with us. We don't know what's going to happen. But, you know, if if teams are picking up steam, you know. He didn't grow up dreaming to be a Gonzaga basketball player. He grew up dreaming to be an NBA player. So right. if that is a possibility, he's, without saying this, he's going to go to the NBA. So it was just sort of this, like, just a lot of good things happening to him with the team doing well, making the national championship run, finally having the exposure that he needed, and people started doing research. And guess what? He's an athletic guy. So he's going to do very well in drills and combines and shooting and whatever it might be when, when you bring him in for a personal session. And, um, and yeah, and, you know, Portland pulled the trigger on him, a team out of the Pacific Northwest, and it felt like a match made in heaven. Um, but, but looking back on it now, it does seem like life might have moved a bit too fast for him. And it's also unfair for me to say that because injuries started affecting him right when his development should have been happening. He was I, always a project, right? I like, was about to so say, far, like, spoiler yeah. alert, the reason that uh, – I think it's an interesting common thread maybe, right? Like he he was a late riser on draft boards because of exposure basically, not getting that exposure and then finally getting it. And I think that part of why he's had limit exposure, really the, the main reason why he's had limit exposure – in the NBA in recent years is injuries. And we should talk about that. Um, he, he was just hitting his, his stride before his third season in the NBA. And they asked him after that last season, you know, what do you want to do? He was like, I want to put on some muscle. I want to uh, finish better at the rim, improve my shooting as well. Uh, and like, I want to start and I want to be more involved defensively. And he was doing all of that to start his third season. And he, he looked really, really good. Um, let's see. 27 minutes a game, 7 points per game, 47% uh, from the floor, 37% from three. Pretty good. Like, as, as far as floor spacing 7-footers go, 37%. That's, that's awesome. Um, unfortunately, he played 11 games that season, uh, suffered a medial malleolus stress fracture. Uh, for for all of you WebMD doctors out there, um, yeah, left ankle, uh, and since then he has had he's refractured it and had three surgeries on it. Uh, most recently, June 29th, ninth, twenty twenty one. Jackson, you brought this up. He's played fewer minutes than Derek White. And Derek White is a guy that we feel like we're still getting to know, right? Like, right. because he's also had his injury things. So, I mean, uh, it'll be interesting to see what, what they get. I mean, it was a gamble for the Spurs, right? But, I mean, it wasn't like they threw a lot of chips into the pot to, to bring him in. I, I've been doing some used car shopping. So, he's a 2017, but like, and, and low mileage on the 2017, which is like rare to see, but it's low mileage because, you, you know, can't get him on the You can't get him on the road, yeah. Right. And, you know, it's... The Spurs are basically going to see if that's like, you know, critical frame damage or something that 
can be patched up and and move on to a, a long and maybe successful career. Yeah. But yeah, 23 years old. I mean, and the Spurs got him for a three-year, $22 million contract. I believe there are some options for the Spurs to, to yeah. get out of that a little early. I think only probably, half of that's guaranteed. Yeah. And there's probably incentives mm-hmm. if Collins does play, you know? Yeah. You know, incentives built into that as well. Um, if, I, if, <laughs> and if he maximizes that contract, then you did something right in signing him. So that's – I mean, that's the whole thing. That's what, Like, that's why – I'm saying, I mean, the Spurs went to the casino and they brought 50 bucks in their pocket. Like, okay, if you leave with zero, it really, I mean, what's the risk? What's yeah. the harm? It just, you, you throw a little out there. And that's what the Spurs need to do as a franchise. That, you know, it's their job to take those, those calculated risks going back to that and, you know, making sure that they don't do damage to their future assets in the process. And this is like, if it works, great. If it doesn't, well, just try again on someone else in the future. Evan, since you're here and since you brought him up, I got to ask for your thoughts on young Jock, man. Uh, I, yeah, I, I was really I excited for him. I, I love him. Yeah. I think he's really fun. Yeah, he's but. he's a, a tenacious basketball player. Uh, just, you know, somebody who really is a floor general out there when he was playing for St. Mary's, uh, the offense ran through him. You know, it was a, it was nice to see him go to, you know, like, play overseas because I don't, I don't know if, like, if Jock Landau – with, and we say this about a lot of guys. Like I just mentioned, Shemar Karnowski would have been the same thing. But like if Jock, if if Landell landed in a different era in basketball, he would be a force. Mm-hmm. Um, that's just not the case. So what he did was kind of prove that he can shoot, which is important. And I believe he's the ultimate. Um, what what the Spurs have built now with Pirtle and Landale, I think it's just a wonderful one-two punch. They're not. They now have centers who are going to be centers. Hey, go out there. I need you setting picks. I need you playing good defense, protecting the rim, getting rebounds. Don't worry about anything else, okay? There's no confluence of uh, confusion in what your role is and whatever it might be. Now, I think Jock can do a little bit more than Yak can do offensively speaking. I don't know if Jock can do as much as Yak does defensively speaking, but – when you are thinking about just giving guys breathers and rotating one after the after another, I think that both, like you're replacing one with the other, and you're bringing a very similar skill set to the point where, as a teacher, as a coach, you're not really changing your game plan much. And what you like, you don't have to develop. You know, it was like the Spurs brought in their starters, and then. The, the second unit would come in and it's a totally different group, right? It was like yeah. bombs away from the second unit. And the first unit was just like, uh, you know, who's shooting tomorrow or LaMarcus and right. hopefully they're on their game spurs down by nine. Here comes the bench. Let's go back in the game. Starters come in the third. Ah, crap. Let's weather the storm. Okay. Now we got our best lineup going to the end of the game. So, um, but yeah, Landell, I, I think, the Spurs organization does a great job of not only finding great talent overseas, but also finding great people. I think, you know, again, going back to the Ben Simmons thing, the Spurs will never pull the trigger if they really don't think that Ben Simmons is bought in or, or if he's not a guy that would fit well in the locker room, fit well with pop. Um, so Landell does that. And he is Spurs fans, just like uh, you're falling in love with Yaka Pearl and what he does on the floor and, and what he provides uh, Landale is going to be a, just a big spark of energy, um, off, you know, off the bench. And, 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 and who knows? Um, this is his big opportunity in the NBA. Maybe he shows us a little bit more than what I'm thinking he could be. Um, but, but I think that, um, yeah, just, I just remember watching at St. Mary's and it was, it was a men amongst boys situation playing in the WCC. I just, for just truck sticking opponents night after night in the paint. I thought it was interesting when you described his role because when I was uh, I'm putting together you know preseason profiles for all of these guys and so I watched an interview with him from like March before you know he's made the jump to the NBA and he was pissed that he wasn't in the NBA yet you know blamed some bad career advice that prevented eligibility and um, you know he described basically the role difference because at Melbourne like. He was he was the he was the MVP of their finals. Like led led that team was doing everything, and he was like, I know when I get to the NBA, they're not going to say go out there and average fifteen and seven. And they, and he said that what they're going to say was exactly what you just said. Uh, you know, set screens, 
run the floor, grab boards, play defense, take open shots. And Landale has that added dimension of he can take and make those open shots at a pretty high clip. Um, and so the game plan doesn't change too much. It's not like, okay, we've got to reorient the offense so we can dump it down to Jock in the post. But he has that added ability to set a screen and pop. And, you know, oh, the, the other team's rim protector actually, actually has to guard him out there. Mm. Um, so, yeah, I, I'm excited to see what the, that big man rotation looks like. And, you know, it, there's, there's going to be, I think, some competition with Drew Eubanks there. I think so. I think, mm-hmm. uh, you know, you're talking about Spurs fans kind of falling in love with Pirtle. There's been, I think, a, a big wave of adoration towards uh, Eubanks' way as well. And you're going to see these two compete, I think, Jock and, and Eubanks. Whether or not he cuts into Eubanks' minutes, I think the Spurs played Eubanks too much last season, and I think they know that. So, uh, you know, it'll, it'll be a good rotation. Like we said, they're deep at this at the, in the front court now, and that's a good place to be for a team that wasn't for a few years. And I, I think that because they weren't deep there and because they struggled a little bit with the depth last year, people expected the Spurs to address that in the draft. Yeah. Right? And they didn't really at all do that in the draft. Um and people were like, what? And then free agency happens and they get a bunch of, you know, taller guys. And it kind of reminds me of how NFL teams will like, you know, not want to spend too much money on a running back. Mm. Right. Because, you know, in terms of like the the talent difference and the job, like you you swap them out and it's, you know. It's not a, a wash completely, but that's not the position that you use your best assets to go acquire. Yeah. Um, and so the Spurs went a different direction. You know, if, if they had taken Kai Jones, a lot of Spurs fans would have been really excited. But, you know, if, if he doesn't develop, like, you know, a, a really strong face-up game, then he is a big man who does things that a lot of other big men in the league do – and for, you know, not a very high price. Yeah. Evan, while we had you here, what did you think of the, uh, the the Primo pick? Yeah, so it's always a reminder around draft time, and, and obviously we were all surprised about the Primo pick. And You know, I just remember listening to Brian Wright last year and him saying that no matter what, they take the best player available. That's what doesn't matter. And obviously I think the Spurs were trying to trade down it did not find a partner to trade down, so they had to take the player they were most enamored with. Now, what fans unfortunately have to come to the realization with when it comes to the Spurs is they're not a team good enough to draft by need, right? It's going back to Brandon Clark last year. You know, like, I think we look back, Brandon Clark. I love Brandon Clark, uh, or two years ago, whatever Two years ago. It's um, been a minute. Yeah, <laughs> I know. It, and I know um, because I've been so, – um, I've been annoyed about the discourse for years already. So yeah, and that, <laughs> it's a good way to that's the thing, though. But like, it's the the thing about Brandon Clark, right? Tremendous player. Nobody's saying he's not a tremendous player. Nobody's saying that he couldn't help the Spurs out in that moment. The Spurs need to swing for the fences with these draft picks. They need to go for the highest possible ceiling. So bigs, as you mentioned, just like running backs, you can find a big out there, like the Spurs just did, going to Australia. To, to get somebody that fits their mold that they didn't have to draft, they can go and pluck whoever they need to fill that need when it comes to bigs. Um, maybe they're not as athletic as you would like, or you know, if, if the team could have traded up to get James Wiseman, I'm, I'm sure that would have been a different story because he's a different talent. Having said that, um, when it came to Primo, and at least doing a little bit more research after the pick was made, uh, it, it's a very Spursian type pick because what's going to happen is Primo's going to spend time in Austin. He's going to develop. He's super young, um, and and he he has a tremendous ceiling. So where fans right now are saying, "Oh man, they overpaid for a guy like Joshua Primo," if the guy was maybe in Alabama another year, um, it, you know, who knows what would happen if the guy. You know, when the guy's 20, like where his status would be, you just have to understand that the Spurs and the way they kind of game the system is they get you super young, they develop you, you get limited minutes, and it, it 
increases ever so slightly. You show potential, you show talent. They sign you to an extension, not as much as what other teams have to pay for their guys who have now been doing it for three or four years. And then once they sign that extension, all right, let it rip. Yeah. And get your team now. Again, exposure, right? Like at Alabama, he wasn't asked to put the ball on the floor. So when they drafted him and Brian Wright was like, yeah, we like his potential as a point guard. And people were like, what? And it's yeah. like, no, like he's always dribbled. Like that was just the one year when he didn't because they, they told him not to. Right? There, it really yeah. feels like there's been a um, – people have grown to appreciate the pick since yeah. seeing him in the summer league. Um, I mean, I, there will always be the, the contingency of the fan base that is disgruntled that Kai Jones isn't here. In the same way there is that Brandon Clark wasn't, you know. Uh, and especially because – And Jalen Johnson. And Jaylen, and, uh, there, yeah. there were a lot of guys. Shingun. You could, there, you could have five different guys at that position where you're like, I can't believe the Spurs didn't take him. Yeah. And there are going to be people who are like that, whatever. But you got to understand that the Spurs did more research than probably all of us combined. So, and, and I mean, reports came out that they had more ties to Primo, and that like in the, yeah. they've been watching this guy for a long time. You know, uh, R.C. Buford kind of had had been been in, in in connection with them. So, I mean, there, there was some research done by the Spurs. The Spurs aren't going to pick a guy they don't know everything about. So, I got to run to the little boys' room. We're going to take a five minute commercial break. <laughs> Evan, we're so happy to have you here um, to, to talk Zach Collins and talk the Spurs from your perspective. Uh, before we get you out of here, I just want to know what is what is the ceiling that you're you're expecting from this team? What, what do you expect to see? Uh, what's their their maximum potential here? So uh, as it stands right now, um, again, I'll say the same thing that I said last year with this team. Like if if you can, if you can win a playoff series, like. Let's go on the river walk and have a parade. <laughs> that's that's sort of where I'm at. Um, I think they're going to be better than what people think. A lot better because I think people think they're just going to stink. Um, I'm, I'm hoping that best case scenario, this is like the old school Memphis Grizzlies team. Just grind you the entire game. Just, just wear you down, relentless. Because the Spurs do not have the ability – to take games off defensively. That's going to have to be their calling card. You know, DJ, um, Lonnie, uh, Derek, you know, everybody staying healthy, obviously. Devin, all those guys. I mean, they, like, Yach, defensively speaking, they are going to be one of the best defensive teams. When they're at their peak and we're reaching it, we're getting closer. I mean, Luca, what Luca showed last year defensively is scary. So all around the board, I mean, Really, Keldon is probably one of your weaker defenders. I mean, that's what you're kind of looking at with this team. Like, so um, you are going to have to hold teams to like less than one hundo, which is I know not how the NBA rolls right now. But the team, the team has uh, well, I guess Dougie Buckets isn't a great defender either. But and Bryn Forbes, um, you know. But having said that, you know, and I, I know Tom has mentioned this before. You know, Bryn Forbes isn't going to be the Bryn Forbes that you remember him two years ago, right? Like Bryn Forbes was at, and I always remember when Tom said this, you know, like if you had a switchblade knife and you open up all the pieces, like the Spurs asked Bryn to be all these things. And it's like, yo, I'm just, I'm, I'm just a scissors part of this thing, man. I'm just like, all I know how to do is, okay. So like Bryn this time around is going to just, Hey dude, shoot your threes. We got so much defense around you. Don't even worry about it. Like, yeah. Do what the Bucks did, all right? We're gonna hide you. We're gonna hide you in this this offense and defense. We're gonna hide you on the court. We're gonna have this great defense around you so that you can do what you do best. And that's shoot the damn lights out of the ball from deep. And whatever you thought about Bryn before and what he is now, his entire career he's always shot the lights out of the ball from deep. And I know uh, two years ago people had this jaded memory of Bryn because it just like his first two months were horrific, but they never remember the next two months of that season where he just did not miss from three. Uh, I mean, he shot like like 48%. It was something ridiculous to get his percentages back to 40. Like the, the regression to the mean was insane. So, um, yeah, like the biggest thing that this team did was they, they brought in shooters. Mm. So now they can shoot the three ball, which is important because now you have guys like uh, DeJounte – who can lead the offense, Keldon, who can lead the offense. you got these, these scorers who can attack the paint and have these safety valves where teams are actually going to be a little bit afraid of them to give some breathing room in the paint. 
So it's going to go back to team basketball, and that's just the way that Pop operates better. And I love, I love Demar. I love everything that he did for this city. He really took this experience like a champ. And I'm glad that the Spurs were able to flip him for for a pick. I think they did the best they could in that situation, honestly. Uh, and, and I and I wish Demar the best. And I hope he gets a hell of an ovation when he heads back to the AT&T Center. But um, beyond that, I, um, you know, I, I think this team could make the playoffs. Mm-hmm. I, I do. Um, having said that, I, I need to see them in action a little bit, see how this thing's working. And then I also need to see the health because a lot of these guys have been, have been nicked up. So good health. Um, and, and everybody on the same page, I I do think the playoffs is a possibility and that would be tremendous, tremendous growth for a bunch of young guys who I think can do spectacular things in the future. I I think a lot of people like see, see the out outgoing players who, you know, Lamarcus Aldridge, Demar Derozan, Rudy Gay, Patty Mills—like those are, like not just players who have been here for a while, but players who like NBA fans who you know don't pay too much attention to the development of the young San Antonio Spurs. Like those are names they recognize, right? Uh, and so, uh, is Doug McDermott a better basketball player than Demar Derozan? No, absolutely not. Uh, I don't know anybody who thinks that, but like for what you want to do with this Spurs team, which is develop the playmaking potential of all of those young guys, he, he might be a better fit because he actually, you know, spaces the floor and doesn't need the ball. Um, and while we're on DeMar, we just, we got to talk about it, right? I mean, (laughs) do we... I think I think we kind of all right, Evan. You'll you'll remember eighty uh, second best player in the league last year, according to ESPN, mm-hmm. Demar yeah. Rosen. This year, uh, forty five, and if anybody with a brain would see that and be like, "Wow, how did he rise thirty seven spots?" and they actually had a section in the thing that explained how he rose thirty seven spots, and it's because he doesn't uh, play for the Spurs anymore. <laughs> yeah, and that's some more words, some words like you know, yeah, maybe more or less. But no, they they attributed it to uh, he had a career high in assists, which he did, and a career low in assist to turnover ratio, which he did. But if you look at it, like he had one point three more assists than he did the previous year, uh, and like half a turnover less per game ish. Yeah, thirty seven I mean, spots. That's pretty good. It's, I mean, he made the most of his opportunity. Maybe the whole top league, fifty now. Maybe the the other guys got worse. Maybe it was a regression. Everybody, <laughs> all all uh, all thirty seven <laughs> players that he passed just got just a little markedly bit worse. worse. Well, JJ Redick retired, so that kind of uh, the, all right. So thirty six. <laughs> that, that was it. That was it. I, I I do think you know the absence of Demar. They're, they're going to make up for a lot of things he does. And they're going to be a different team. But one of the things that DeMar DeRozan has done throughout his career is like not turned the ball over. Like you're saying, mm-hmm. it's not like an aberration that he was having a career season in, uh, in, in keeping the turnovers down. Uh, the, really Spurs, the Spurs are going to turn the ball over a little bit more this season. Um, you, you win regular season games by playing good defense and by, by not turning the ball over. And the Spurs are going to have to do their best to, to work on that second thing. Because, I mean, they're going to play great defense this season. They're going to play better defense this season than they did last season. Um, I think uh, moving, having Keldon actually like be the small forward for this team is going to yeah. be really good. He's a he's a big body, but you know he's a little undersized for for the four there. I mean, he looked like Charles Barkley going up against some of the guys out there, which you know Charles Barkley's a Hall of Famer. But uh, you know it, it'll be good to see him be be the small forward for this team. Um, I think you're going to see a lot of good ball movement going kind of going back to more of a beautiful game system. Uh, and they've got some shooters this year. Devin Vassell, excited for Devin Vassell. He looked great in the uh, summer league for this team. He'll be making a step there. Uh, but overall, just excited that basketball's around the corner. Um, and then we're so excited that you got to join us today. It was so good to see you and to talk to you. Uh, I, we're going to let you get back to things in Tampa Bay. But real quick, I mean, you guys had basketball down there the, this past season. You know, the Toronto Raptors were the, the Tampa Bay Raptors. Was, was that exciting? Was there a community that kind of built up around that? You know? Yeah, I, I wish there was a larger one. Yeah. Uh, no, it was cool. Um, you know, people went to the games. It was um, something that they weren't able to do unless they went down to Orlando. Uh, but, you know, it's not a town that's built on basketball. It's, it's really not. Um, so um, I don't know if an NBA team is, is going to expand themselves down here anytime soon. But mm. uh, it, w- it was cool. It was cool to have it in the city. And, and people, you know, you got to remember also 
people weren't necessarily running out to the games because it was still limited capacity at that time. For sure. But um, yeah, you know, I, it would have been cool if Toronto, you know, we were the city of champions uh, and, you know, we thought, oh, we're bringing in the NBA champs now. And it kind of didn't work out for the Raptors. But uh, it was cool seeing the signage when I was walking, walking around Amelie Arena and doing lightning games and seeing some like yeah. Toronto things up there. It was, you know. You, you I, get, have, I get my NBA league pass now, and I watch Spurs from afar. You, you guys have enough champions in the, I, in the Bay. I, I, I was about yeah. to say, Evan Klosky, the Bryn Forbes of the pod, <laughs> like, <laughs> leave San Antonio immediately championships, uh, coming back to grace us with his presence and experience. Yeah. So we're, we're uh, so grateful to have you here, friend. We miss you dearly. Yeah, that's Evan Klosky. You I, know him. You love him. Sports director at 10 Tampa Bay. What you got cooking down there today? Yeah, I love you guys. Um, yeah, I know, same old uh, – you know, Brady speaks today, and that's always a big day. Beyond that, the Rays clinched a playoff berth uh, yesterday, so they had the day off. And, uh, you know, it's interesting because actually we're working on something with the Tampa Bay Rowdies who play in the USL, same mm. league as the, you know, San Antonio FC, and they're the best team in the USL. They, uh, they've actually played eight matches. They haven't given up a goal in eight matches, oh eight goodness. straight matches, um, which is absurd in soccer. So, um yeah. yeah, that's that's what we're cooking up, and we have our Sunday show uh, every week. So hopping in to to make sure we're all set to go for Sunday when when we got to do that bad boy as our Bucks pregame show. Gotta gotta thank your uh, your Rays there for beating the Jays on behalf of my Yankees. Uh, that's yeah. gonna be fun. The the whole uh, got you back. the the whole Spygate thing is hilarious and stupid to me. Throwing a ball at somebody over finding a piece yeah, of paper, man. Shut up. Baseball is so Bring dumb me sometimes. On yeah. I, I, I'm doing, a, I'm doing a, a raised podcast tonight, and, and we're going to go in-depth on that one. So if you, if you want uh, some heat. There, I, I can't wait to listen to that, actually. So. And then, of course, you've got Tom Petrini covering the Spurs for us here at Ken's 5 Digital. He's got preseason profiles dropping for all of the new Spurs Woo! guys in the building. I think Thaddeus Young is on deck. Yeah. Um, still with the team, so uh, we're excited about that. Yeah. And, of course, I'm Jackson Floyd here with Kins5. You're listening to the Big Fundamental Podcast. We appreciate you giving us a listen. Uh, please like and subscribe wherever you do listen to podcasts. And you can find us on YouTube, this video right here. You can see uh, Tom's amazing shirt in, in full uh, full HD, 4K, 8K, and maybe now. This one's so. not even that complicated. <laughs> you know, it's triples. Triples are best. So, uh, well, thank you guys yeah. so much for listening. This is the Big Fundamental Co- Podcast, a Kins 5 podcast. And, of course, Kins 5 is the official TV station of the San Antonio Spurs. We'll catch you guys next time.